0: the ei cafe with azim where i give late look back at the life and business of today's most important elements with emotional intelligence you will learn how emotional intelligence can be a key factor for your success in both personal and professional life from leadership collaboration organization culture positive mindset to raising kids you will hear key life lessons and tips from most prominent personalities, business leaders, entrepreneurs, emotional intelligence practitioners and executive coaches from all over the world. So sit back, relax with a cup of coffee and let's get into the show. This is EI Cafe with Azim. those who are not a light athletes, it is hard to understand quite how punishing the experience of a near miss can be reaching the very top level of performance requires an immense mental effort. And when you are that much about winning, losing feel like cruel punishment. But top athletes, it turns out and many others have a way of turning pain into a rocket fuel, the defeat becomes a reason to push themselves even further the next time. A very warm welcome to the show. And I'm your host, Azim Sahir, a human capital specialist, a Lego series play facilitator, ICF certified coach, emotional intelligence practitioner. Here we are again for another exciting episode, a 30 minutes of valuable learning. As you know, the introduction says about athletes, winning, failures. So today's topic is about winning from your greatest of the biggest setbacks. We all have setbacks in our lives, in our professional life, family life, everywhere. So how do I relate the setback into a family and a corporate environment? This is the sports. So I have a fantastic individual who who is really, really into this particular subject. So let me introduce him. He's one of the most successful SNC coaches in Australia and New Zealand, having worked in professional rugby union, Australia tennis, also with the New Zealand national side, the uh, New Zealand Maori side, the Cook Islands national team and Samoa national rugby league teams. Regularly, he presents and speaks in, in international sporting companies, commercial businesses, corporate and government law enforcement agency on the topic of leadership, team building, workplace culture, uh, to healthy lifestyles, choices for daily performance. So he currently lives uh, a life on the beautiful uh, Northern beach of Sydney with his wife and two sons. He, currently he had the performance, he's the head of performance with uh, Manly, Warring the uh, Sea Eagles. I hope I got it correct. Sea Eagles team, ladies and gentlemen, let me welcome <laughs> Donnie. Welcome to the cafe.
1: Hey, thank you very much. Zim. Thank you for having me here today.
0: Thank you. Uh, thank you for you for spending your uh, time uh, with me in the cafe to uh, share your thoughts and the experience what you go through, especially in this particular subject. So Donny, uh, as I mentioned in the introduction, it's, 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 it's about winning from your biggest setbacks. Um, we have been going through a lot of setbacks in this year. Um, uh, in terms of corporate, personally, even the sporting arena had gone a lot of setbacks lot of World Cups, um, games, and good to hear that some of the rugby and the cricket is back on track in Australia and New Zealand, which is good to hear. Um, In that line, so that's why I choose you to this particular topic. You are a sportsman, uh, performance coach, um, mental well-being practitioner, good good profile for me to, and our listeners will have a lot of value uh, with you for sure. So Dori, to start off, um, can you share what made you to get into this particular performance and sports mentoring segment?
1: Oh well, look, as in I suppose it starts with um, when I was a young young man. You know, I, I I sort of I wasn't the most academic of of people. So uh, as a student, you know, I um I always enjoyed participating in and and engaging in all my all my schoolwork and things. But I wasn't the best student. But what I did have was I I had a natural uh, ability to connect. So I always had. Uh, a a good um, friends, social network. I always got on with people. Um, uh, It wasn't until later in my years that I would understand that that was actually a skill, that that was something that um, was uh, innate in me and that I could take on and use professionally as I grew. But I I ended up um, coming out of school, joining the military. So in the military, I learned all my skills, uh, uh, my discipline, my development, Um, you know, the military, um gave me taught me how to be um you know um, a leader and and also a member of a team and um it, it, it helped me grow up my family taught me how to be a man but um the military gave me a vehicle to practice and learn and develop my skills so i left the military and and that brings me to my next point which is you know one thing i was always very good at was encouraging enabling and, um and working with other individuals to 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 not only just just be the best at something but to actually engage in something so as my years went on and I became um, academically qualified more experienced um learning a lot and working in sport working with champions working with amateurs working with all these people and and, and finding a um finding great success in in them achieving their goals or or getting to the top of their field. And it wasn't about me. Obviously what was happening was the method, the systems that I had for training, for whatever reason, they accepted them and embraced them and worked with them and trusted me. And from that, we were able to build strong connections, strong relationship and and, and go forward together.
0: Wow, what a journey you have come across, Donnie. No? it's really interesting when I see your like, log on <laughs> your log onto your website. Uh, I see a lot of r- roller coaster ride over there, and uh, f- to to get into this particular line, you need to have that number one the mental fitness. I think that's why uh, you are really passionate about that uh, building that mentoring uh, mentoring program. No mental fitness. So uh, mm-hmm. let me let me put this way. Uh, we all know that um, in, in, in those days, let's say 20, 30 years ago, when we think about sports, everybody talk about fitness. That means physical fitness, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy mm-hmm. need to be fit and a lot of the clubs, a lot of countries spend a lot of element of um, physical fitness, gymnasium, you know. But in recent past, this, this uh, particular word of mental fitness has been evolving a lot. So why does a sports person need a mental fitness in your, in your view?
1: Yeah, look, you know, because, because sports and, and, and high level sports demands actions and efforts, which are above and beyond normal. So, you know, what we're really looking at here is people who are gonna do um, things that normal people can't do. So people who are gonna train through the day, and be able to lift uh, more frequently and heavier than what most people would lift in a year. People who can take their heart rates and perform and stay at such a a high percentage of elite heart rate, i.e. above 85%, very long time, uh, very long uh, uh, periods of time and execute fine motor skill at the top level. Now that takes a lot of mental tenacity, not only to, commit to doing and executing the skill, but to actually get and train day in, day out to get to that level. So when we talk about the mental um, capacity or the mental um, ingenuity of, of of an athlete or a coach, what we're saying is that their capacity is much more. So the demands are higher. So when we talk about um, what's the importance of that, if we can say that um, in one box we have the athlete's self-awareness. So the athlete has to has to really know and understand themselves, has to have the ability to develop themselves outside of sport, away from, from that, as a, as a human being, as a person. You know. Then the next box is the actual tactical, technical element of the sport they're playing, the cricketer. He has to know about the bowling, the batting, the, the catching. Those are all the skills. These skills are usually natural to a very high-achieving athlete. But in order for them to be used appropriately at the exact time they're required, that's why coaches train them. That's what they have to learn to do. So that's your tactical technical box. In a third box, you've got this physical, um, this physical demand. So working at high heart rate, working for long amounts of time, um, having a big uh, VO2 capacity, a lung capacity, so so you can have a big engine to move having a great lactate or phosphate system where you can do very high levels of activity frequently without having long breaks and be able to keep that pressure on. So the physicality um, and even just normal anthropometrics, so muscles and, and the size and shape and speed and power of, of an athlete. So there's another box you've got to deal with. And then you've got this other box, which is the spiritual box. Now that is one is where your belief, you, inside of you, um, not your education, you you as a you as a being, you what 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 your morals and values and, and how you look at the world and how you think the world looks at you, what what you know really makes you drive your why, and that's so you've got these all these things happening all the time. So when it comes to um, understanding and and being in a in a good mindset, it's very difficult to be working in all those boxes and and staying on track. So what we do is this, in, in my club, in our sport, in most professional sports, we have experts dealing with each aspect. And what we've discovered over the last, um, in particular, in the last 10 years, is the importance of having a particular type of coach dealing with the mindset, the mind strategy, the mind strength, so that, so that they're always looking at how the athletes are dealing with their daily demands and being able to replenish themselves and regenerate not only the physical and the mental, but also the spiritual. And this is where we are now today in modern sport. It's, it's, a, it's a big area. Why? Because athletes will, will stay with, athletes aren't like soldiers. Soldiers you have 24-7 drum, 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 the soldier, doesn't go home, stays with you, lives with you, eats with you, learns from you. When you're not there, someone else is there on top of the soldier, always working. Athletes come to you. They train for eight-hour days, six to eight hours, and then they go home to their normal life. And in their normal life are the normal stresses, the normal variables that just poke out from anywhere, the You know, the loved ones, the husband, the wife, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the dog, the sick child, all the things, you know, the fans that love you, the fans that hate you, the good game, the bad game, the opinion, the side look on the street, the adoration and the aggressive, you know, you suck and all these things are happening all the time so nowadays know, yeah, the mental training for an athlete is based around the sport the reality and the and the nuances of life and how we deal with them.
0: wow that's 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 large <laughs> <answer>. my god <laughs> we, we see a game of rugby for 85 minutes just on the screen but now only i understand the element yeah. which runs through a performance coach, head coach, nutrition coach, fitness, PCO. My gosh, yeah. it's yeah. it's really really amazing uh, stuff what you said, Donny. But just uh, can I ask you this question? Let's say let's say on the field in a game now um, we see a very tense, very close game, right? Uh, it's almost end of. very short, narrow, let's say game of, game of rugby. We yeah, are just, 80, 80 minutes, just five minutes to go. Uh, the scores are very small different, 2 3 points, right? Now here, you're physically down. That means you are like almost last minute, right? But how come the players still run that long run to get that fight? <laughs> and number two, number two, how do they have that self-management? Because when you get that ball, I've been playing not professional rugby, just mm-hmm. here rugby. Mm-hmm. When you get that ball, I sometimes I fear this guy's behind me. Where do I run? Whom do I pass? <laughs> that quick
1: decision making, right? How mm-hmm. does it work really? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, a lot of that is our, is our preparation and what we, what we quite purposely do, a lot of people um, would question the limits we take our athletes to. They would say, you know, is that necessary to take them to a point of exhaustion, to take them to a point of um, discomfort, to take them to such a dark place that they would question whether they can complete or commit themselves to the task that is required. So the, the, the first thing is, Emma, the first thing is we have a very, very safe environment. So we have medical, very qualified trainers, very qualified coaches. We have eyes. We have drones. We have everybody is, we have, uh, has GPS. Everybody, every piece of information in professional sport in the NRL has been recorded. We know their temperature. When they turn up in the morning, they fill out a wellness form. So we know exactly how much sleep they had, what their stress level is, if they have any cold and flu symptoms, um, what parts of their body are sore. So we know that because we ask them to fill all that out. Then we go through a series of markers where we put their bodies through simple tests, like a sit and reach, a simple test so we can have an idea of where they are physically. And then once we have that information, we have an opportunity to drill down and find out the best way to prepare them for the morning. So if somebody's groin is a bit tight and their squeeze has been low, we know that during the warm up we're going to put an emphasis on some areas of the hurdle work or some areas where we know we're going to get more, a bit more range of motion there, a bit more heat into that area. We're going to stay away from accelerations too early because we, we can see where our athlete is. Now, that's just giving you a small idea of us preparing to work the athlete. We haven't started working them yet, but we find a lot of information about them. If there's any red flags, red markers, sick, if there's anybody who is dehydrated because we've done a hydration test, then they move to a different category. So everybody we have in front of us, we know exactly what their homeostasis state is. We know, we know where they are physically. We know what, where, how they are prepared. And then we start training and we push. We push to a point where they have to execute at the highest level of speed, where they have to execute and complete skills under fatigue. And the reason we do this is so that they become familiar with this discomfort. So it's not to hurt them. We take them to this dark place, right to the dark, and then we hang them over the edge of a ledge, but we're able to reel them in. We don't just leave them out there. They get uncomfortable. We see them stressing, then we pull them back. We we, we we give them a bit of recovery, move them, then we push them out there again. But we're always measuring all the GPS data is going through. We know the heart the added stress of just the environment and the situation and the self-awareness and and, and the um, inevitable innate questioning of oneself when they're on the field. And then what happens when we get into these tight spots, when we get into these, but it's exactly like you said, Zip, when they get to this point, and it's like, we've got four minutes to go. We've got to protect two points or we're looking for four. And our legs are heavy and our bodies are sore and our, our minds want to wander. And we're looking at the opposition and they're the same. But we don't know that. We're looking at them. Well, this is what happens. We remember that dark place. We remember what it felt like to work when our legs were like lead, We remember that we did it together. So we don't have to look sideways because we know that that person's going to be there because we did it together at training. And what we do is we switch off. We let, we let become automatic. We let them, we focus on executing a skill, catching a ball, making a tackle, kicking a ball, and chasing into a corner. All these things, they're the things we think about. We've trained our bodies so well. We've conditioned our minds to be in that difficult place that we can focus on the one percenters of skills, which will enable us to score that try or make that tackle read the play and protect.
0: Wow, I, th- th- that's, <laughs> that is a lot of information, you know. I, I really like the way you um, put it up. You talked about the uh, preparing with the physical element before the game and you you check with a lot of data a lot of information about the players then you come into that mental fitness talking about self-awareness more into self-management making sure that they are fit to that game and do that stimulation to win that game right so that is absolutely amazing so i really get the point as i mentioned you i've been working on the absolutely sports sports element with emotional intelligence now it bring the clarity for me how that's really work and in that line here's the biggest question i want to ask you now this is the main question right can our biggest setbacks lead to our greatest win right uh recent example the all blacks right they had a massive back-to-back defeat and with the uh, pumas the argentinians they had a massive defeat but on the next game you see it's the other way around, right? Uh, that was the trigger point when I you was know, writing this question. That was the main trigger, it triggered me. Uh, can you share one of your experience in the similar format? How did you really got back on track?
1: Yeah, you know, um, there's a lot to be said for the terms um, uh, debrief and review. Now, when we have setbacks, even if it's a, it's, a, it's a really Uh, traumatic one once the process of grieving or understanding or learn has has passed you have to have a review process and the first way to get over um, any great adversity is to understand and try and and um and and pull apart why that happened what what did we miss what what didn't we do what um, what can we do better and what was the cost of those things we didn't do? So, for example, in, in 2007 um, was my first uh, grand final experience with my club. And we played a club and, and we got belted. We got belted. I think the score was 32 to 12. And we lost that grand final. And you know what? If, if you make a grand final, that is fantastic. You know, there's 16 teams, uh, 26 rounds if you make the grand final, it shows that you've consistently been one of the best performers in the competition, but that loss was so heavy. You get so far and come away with, as we believed, nothing. You know, there was a, there was a, it was almost like a grieving healing process that, that, that went on after that. You know, what could we have done better? How could we have prepared better? We're all our men on the same page. Um, was there something we missed with our men? Did we, did we, you know, so we review, we review, we debrief. It's very honest. It's very blunt. The All Blacks would have done the same thing. Yeah. We all have a good, strong understanding and, and it's, and it's, uh, um, and it's a great practice of my fellow colleagues in my club. We never look in another department. So if my head coach says to me, we lost that game tonight. What did you see? Well, you know what? I might've seen, five drop balls. I might've seen three bad kicks. I might've seen four missed tackles, but I don't look at that. I say, I look at it a different way. I say, okay, we couldn't get to the ball. So were we flat? We weren't fast enough off the line. These are physical things. I need to look at this. I need to deal with this. So we own our own part of the perceived failure. And the guy who looks after the catching, he'll do the same. And the guy who looks after the kicking, he'll do the same. And that way we can build a nice clear picture on where we think we let ourselves down. And from that picture, we can move forward and say, this is how we should attack that that part of our of our game. In 2008, we, we came back in 2008 and we played the grand final again. And to, two, to play two grand finals in a row is great. And we played the grand final again. And this time we played the same team. And this time we beat that team 40 nil, the highest score in grand final history in the NRL. No one else has done that. And most importantly, probably for the listeners, it wasn't about the winning. This was the most significant difference to me, is that in 2007, when we got there, I felt we're here but I wasn't sure about every component that had got us there. In 2008, when I said, look there, and I said, we're here again, I was confident about every component that we had put together through the year, Not not confident to win. I was confident that we had done our best and we were the best prepared we could be. And so the answer to your question is coming back from adversity. The number one thing is to investigate debrief honestly and brutally with yourself first with yourself first and then providing ideas for the scope of the next um, uh development process for your training that to me was 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 the was the first step and we do this every week because we lose games weekly. we played 26 rounds so we might lose two or three games in a row or we might lose one game we immediately debrief review that game as a group collectively, look at what happened, identify where we believe we let ourselves down and and also what we did well. Agree on it, put it to bed, wake up the next morning and preview the next team.
0: Exactly, Donny, that's the point I wanna come across. After that sit back, right? How's the feeling comes? How do you how do you pick those guys up? I know you, you can motivate them, but still you need to self-realize, as you said, just do the homework, you you think about review it. How do you put them up for the next next game?
1: Yeah, well, look, we, we have we have a a, a variety of, of modalities which give honest feedback, which which is metric. So we have a GPS system which for training. And for the game, we wear GPS. So those numbers are right there, and those numbers you know, they're very accurate, they're very valid, and they're very reliable. So, so you can't hide from you can't hide from that. If if uh, for an example, just a, a very extreme example, which which is yeah, just to make it nice and easy for the listeners, if the whole team has run, you know, eleven kilometers in a match, but two players. In the same time, have only run, have only run eight. There's two kilometers missing, which means somewhere in the phases of play, they weren't engaged. So that's that's a very not so much realistic, but just a really big extreme example for you to look at. So, so what we do is is you know people will change, people will alter behavior when when they can. Uh, when they can see and feel the true uh, repercussions of actions or non-actions. Now you and I both know as as coaches that um, there has to be a self-awareness and there has to be a readiness to accept the change. There has to be a readiness to accept the information. So what we do at training, pre-season, before we even get to the season, is we train our athletes and we are very transparent with how we get our data. We're very transparent with all the information about them. And we give them daily after every session, feedback, feedback, feedback. They're very informed. And for me, you know, getting people to um, to get back on that horse is about that that truthfulness of the feedback and and the validity of the feedback now you know i can't just walk up to you and i say oh geez you had a terrible game and you say well i know that yeah i say yeah but no, no you really sucked you know like you couldn't get to the ball and and you couldn't do this and that now look people will, will say that look, if, if you look at any people who comment on sport uh sorry not professional commentators commentators but just people they'll say oh so so had a terrible game he missed five kicks, but they don't. They don't mention the thirteen tackles. They don't mention the um, the six line breaks. They don't mention you know the um, the, the, the shift in the drive. They don't, they don't mention the try assist because because that's not what's that's not what's on their radar. They only saw the obvious things that might have happened. They'll blame somebody for a loss in the last five minutes of a game. You know when that individual could also say, we should never have been in that position for that to have occurred. We should have been playing a better style of football mm-hmm. so we didn't expose ourselves like that. So so my, my answer to your question is the best way to bring people from a low position to a more um, responsive position and then allow them to grow into a more positive position is feedback, knowledge validated with fact not just opinion because opinions still have grey areas that you can float around in but facts even when the facts mean you have to do better at least it's there and then and then most importantly here's what we did wrong here's what you you know what you weren't so good at and here's how I'm going to help you rectify that this week absolutely These I, think, are bizarre,
0: bizarre. I think i think that is fantastic the feedback is really important in, in any any sports or any any part of it as as coaches we always would like to have that listen we always say don't give opinions right just observe and give feedbacks which is i think it'll make a lot of things now Dania, we have three more minutes left on the conversation uh, in the same line now we, we did discuss about on the field now here i want to come in like when you talk about comebacks from this real bigger setbacks, in terms of a corporate environment, what are the key learnings we can take from
1: the field? Oh, okay, so from the field, right? Connection daily. You got you got you gotta you've got to talk to your players. You've got to talk. So if you if you work in corporate and you have small teams or large teams, you need to find a way that you can get in touch all of those people on a daily basis, immediately around you that is, and then your tendrils reach out. Tentacles reach out and get to the others. But you have to have a, a method of daily connection. Number two is you have to be consistent. You have to be a consistent. Everybody everybody I know and I've ever trained, they think I'm a bad guy. But you know what? They know what level of bad guy I am, and, and they trust that level because I'm no different. When I'm a good guy, I'm a good guy. Bad guy, I'm a bad guy. But the levels that I go to, I'm always consistent. So they trust me. They know what my thresholds are. I I don't have a mercurial temper. I just don't pop out with something absolutely outrageous and and angry. So always be connection daily and consistent. You've got to be a consistent person. That's so important. And then feedback. You've got to have feedback. And, you know, if you've got people who, who are part of a team that you are a leader in, you've got to feed them information to let them know what's happening. You've got to do it daily and you've got to do it with a consistent manner. And I really believe that those three things, that's the way I coach, it's the way I've always coached. And, and I like to believe that's one of my most successful traits of coaching.
0: Wow, so simple. I think you give a great message for the corporate from the from the aspect of the sports, sports person. I think you are correct. Connection, I will add communication also into it. The more you connect, the more you communicate. And consistency with this, all these two and the feedback coming into the picture, mm-hmm. I think um, a lovely way to get from this turbulence time, hopefully with, uh, with all good help. Tony, I think we are coming to the end. What are the last one tip you would like to share with our listeners to, to you know, get that mindset coming in to being <laughs> the winning mindset?
1: You know, um, one, one, one of the things that I like to think uh, about my mindset, I have a very open uh, open growth mindset. I, I, I love working with, with all my coaches, whether they be my head coach, my colleagues, uh, my other heads of department, and, and my interns. And, and I think that if you can really you – know, one of the things that I would really encourage people to do is get to know the people around you who are coaching and, and, and get, to, get to, you know, help them develop their strengths, and help them also, you know, um, identify areas that they could that they could work better in. You know, and, and I really think if you can go into a coaching crew, um, stay connected and, and work with each other well. And when I say that, I'm talking about honesty, but respect. I think that's I think that's something that's given me a lot of longevity. Um, you don't always have to agree with with each other, but having respect for each other is, um, you know, that that that's a real winner. And give your respect first because someone's got to someone's got to step out there. You do You do You give your respect first. You'll be amazed how much you get back, and and um, you know the rest is organic.
0: Awesome, Donny. Awesome. So so, ladies and gentlemen, that's the time what we have for today. My key takeaway is connection, consistency, and feedback. Feedback, and give a lot of information for your employees. For your teammates, for your for your colleagues, about what's happening in the corporate world or the sporting arena, give them understanding what is coming ahead. It is easy to get the winning mindset from your bigger setback. So, I had uh, Don uh, Donny Sage uh, Singhay from Head of Performance, Manly Sea Eagles National Rugby uh, League Club. is 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 a fantastic phenomenon. You can get connected to. Um, Don, uh, through his social media, LinkedIn, social uh, Facebook, and Instagram as well. And please do get into his website, www.wellcollegeglobal.com. He does some fantastic stuff, and he has authored a book as well. Isn't it, Johnny?
1: Oh, yeah. Look, that's just my story. If you really want to have it, I, I hope you don't, it might put you to sleep, but it's just me. It's my, my 17 years and uh, 30 years in coaching and 17 years in the NRL.
0: So yes, yes, just yes, get into that because every author writes his experience with some sort of a problem coming in. So we can learn something out of that journey or I believe so. So once again, Donnie, thank you very much for spending your valuable time in the cafe. Amazing conversation. I think we had a lot of information on the field of the field where even for personal life, we can practice this, I believe. So thank you very much. My humble gratitude to
1: you. Thank you, Donny. Right. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: You might be an athlete, an entrepreneur, a business leader, corporate leader, or might be a junior executive. Build connection, communicate effectively. Have that consistency in yourself, and provide feedback to make greatest comeback from your biggest setbacks. Build your self-awareness, seek understanding of your strength and weakness to develop a winning mindset. That's the end of another exciting episode. I believe there are a lot of learnings from this conversation where we can use for our personal and professional life. Special thanks to Donny. Head of Performance of Marley C. Eagle's National Rugby League Club for spending his valuable time in the cafe. Stay tuned in for the next episode where I'll be discussing another interesting topic with another interesting personality. EI Cafe with Azim, a 30 minutes of valuable learning. Keep listening, keep learning and keep improving. Another episode of EI Cafe with Azeem. Thank you so much for tuning in and it's really appreciated. Please subscribe to the show so you get an update on my next episode. Write a review to the show and leave a 5 star to the show. Please do follow me on social media, Azeem Sahil. And do write to me what topic and from whom do you want to hear it from. Where I will try to get them on board for you. Till I meet you on another exciting episode, checking out of the cafe. My name is Azeem Sahil. Stay safe and God bless you.